I'm Matt Miller of the Ditch That Textbook Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great educational podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Steve here, and my podcast, Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, is hosted on Podbean. If you use my affiliate link when you sign up for podcast hosting, you will get one month free. I've been on Podbean for the whole existence of my podcast since November of 2013. In that time frame, I've had nonstop service. I've had easy access to assistance when I needed help. I've been able to upload unlimited pictures and podcast episodes. The dashboard is easy to use, and my Podbean community has grown tremendously. Looking at starting a podcast? Well, use my affiliate link to get one month free of hosting. Go to my website at stephenmaletto.com sponsors and click on the Podbean hosting link to see what plans are offered and choose the one that you like the best. You'll be glad you did. Hey, did you know that podcasts are a great way to grow your personal and business brand voice? Here's the secret. We all want to feel connected to brands we buy from. What better way to humanize a brand than through sharing your story on a podcast? Kitcaster is a podcast booking agency that specializes in developing real human connections through podcast appearances. If you are an expert in your field, have a unique story to share, or an interesting point of view, it's time to explore the world of podcasting with Kitcaster. You can expect a completely customized concierge service from their staff of communication experts. Kitcaster is your secret weapon in podcasting for business. Your audience is waiting to hear from you. Go to kitcaster.com slash TLLK12 or go to my webpage at stephenmaletto.com slash sponsors. Click on the Kitcaster logo and apply for a special offer just for the friends of Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Cindy Kumjin, who is the founder of Synergy Financial. She has devoted her professional life to help people develop their financial literacy. She is also the author of the book, Redefining Financial Literacy, Unlocking the Hidden Forces of Your Financial Future. So much to learn today. You're going to love this podcast. It's jam-packed with such practical advice about you planning for retirement. Great stuff. And by the way, before you go, could you go to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews and go in there and rate and review the podcast? That would be so cool. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Hey, do you need help in becoming more effective at teaching virtual classes? Well, NVTA, the National Virtual Teaching Association, has a semester program that is college accredited and designed to help you become more successful as a virtual teacher. A few of the topics that will be focused on are establishing relationships in the virtual environment, virtual instruction best practices, differentiation in the virtual classroom, and managing virtual resources, among others. NVTA is an affiliate partner with Teaching Learning Leading K-12, and there's so much there to help you be successful in the virtual classroom. Uh, so take a look. Go to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash sponsors, find the NVTA logo, and click on it to take you to their website. Happy learning. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. Now here's Steve with this week's show. As the founder of Synergy Financial, Cindy Kumjin believes the financial literacy is a moral imperative, which is why she devoted her professional life to help people understand the constantly evolving financial and economic landscape. As a certified financial planner, CFP, with 35 years in the industry, eight securities licenses, 
and as well a California insurance license, Cindy has become not only a leader in the financial industry, but also an innovator of investment methodology. Her passion can be heard with her weekend broadcast on Los Angeles radio station KABC. A little about her book, Redefining Financial Literacy, Unlocking the Hidden Forces of Your Financial Future. In her book, Redefining Financial Literacy, certified financial planner Cindy explains the micro and macro risks to retirement portfolios. She provides an in-depth look at how the current economic system impacts retail investors and why the standard model misses the mark. She proposes diversification through the realm model and lays out alternative investment opportunities such as REITs and private equity. We're going to talk about Cindy's book, Redefining Financial Literacy, Unlocking the Hidden Forces of Your Financial Future, also key components to financial literacy, and we will also answer this question, why are so many Americans financially illiterate? So Cindy, thanks for joining me today and say hi to everyone. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me today. Well, I'm glad you're here with us and uh, looking forward to this talk. And, uh, you know, before we uh, talk about your book and financial literacy, what drew you to this profession? I mean, being a financial planner and having your own company, was it something that you just knew was your thing or, or what? Well, you know, I'm from Detroit, a working class family of four sisters, um, mom and dad. My dad worked for GM. And, you know, throughout my childhood, I noticed that my parents had struggles with their finances. So, you know, after getting a marketing degree at Oakland University, it sort of intrigued me, the money business, um, especially, you know, as growing up in Detroit and having long winters, my mother always had um, different board games that we we actually played that dealt with money. So, especially Monopoly, I always wanted to have the most houses. So it was something that was, you know, embedded in me. And um, I knew one thing, whatever my profession was going to be, there had to be a purpose because my mother was an amazing mentor of giving back to the community and the time and dedication she did when, with helping um, people in her church and, you know, different organizations they belong to. Very cool. Very cool. That's, I just thought I'd be curious to, to know if there was something that, uh, you know, just is always stuck with you and said, this is where I'm going or did it just happen one day? I don't, so. I don't think that's what happened. I was in my last uh, class of my semester in a finance class and, you know, with a marketing degree, um, you know, one of my friends had mentioned that um, he knew somebody in the financial service industry and thought that I would be a good fit and asked me if he could refer me to him because we were always looking for jobs or thinking about what our career paths lied ahead after college. And I, and I did. I took him up on that. I had an interview with the Equitable at the time, and I stayed with him 17 years. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I- Let's shift and let's let's start talking about your book and getting into some financial literacy stuff. So um, congratulations on the publication of your new book, Redefining Financial Literacy, Unlocking the Hidden Forces of Your Financial Future. I mean, why should someone want to read it? Well, in my 35 year tender in the financial service industry, I just think that investors definitely need to get empowered with financial knowledge um, because today as it was different in the past, Americans have to really fund most of the retirement. I mean, there approximately 3% of Americans will be blessed with a pension plan. Social Security's having problems. So more so than any other time in history, um, Americans really need to take action steps at getting financially literate because not knowing could have a huge effect on your future, not only your retirement, but on the generational wealth you leave to your children. It get that right. It's, <laughs> it's a uh, scary thing. And, uh, you know, one that, uh, 
I'm fast approaching that category as well. So it's like, you know, you, you, you think about, uh, I mean, what's more scary than running out of funds? <laughs> and that's, that's a fact, Steve. And I mean, Yahoo Money did a study last year and states have 40% of Americans could run out of money. And, and, and that was the, probably my biggest driving force in writing this book is giving investors potential solutions so that fear they don't have to deal with. Excellent. Excellent. You know, let's, let's start with something I, I've heard you say. Um, basically, what I heard you talk about was most people cannot put together $400 for an emergency repair or expense. Why do you think this is so? Well, um, I think Americans, you know, first and foremost, have had a stag- stagnation of wages. Okay. So if you don't have the extra money to build an emergency fund, investors have relied on their credit cards, I think, more so than ever to have an emergency fund built into a credit card, which is also not necessarily your best option, because the more debt you have, the lower your credit score and then the higher the interest rates when you want to borrow. I think the second thing is the educational system has let us all down, not only from Um, the financial literacy standpoint, but not giving us the tools and the skills we need as Americans uh, now that we are responsible for our own retirement. It just hasn't been something that, you know, has been taught in elementary and high school or college. So I think people are just not aware of these different skill sets when it comes to their money. That's uh, that's, that's definitely right up there. I mean, because that's a you know, it's it's sad when uh, when you do know that uh, plenty of people have like you know because if if you buy a car, something's going to go wrong with it. If you buy a house, something's going to go wrong with it, <laughs> and it's always the worst time. You know, with a house, it's generally the hottest time of the month or the coldest time of the month, and uh, you know either your heat or your air goes out. So, <laughs> and you know, with a vehicle, it's just it just when you least need it, it's a boom. You're on the side of the road. You know. <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. I mean, but remember, I think a lot of it's this instant gratification. Past generations sacrificed, worked nine day, uh, just got by. And I think now that we have access to more discretionary capital than our parents did, I think we, you know, tend to want to spend that money. You know, not looking at a credit card as an emergency fund, using it as, as, as buying something we want versus something we really need. That's a good point. That's a very good point. That's a, there's quite a bit of that. And with, it's, it's so easy just to whip that thing out and, you know, and now you own it. All right. And whatever that thing is. So, you know, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, NFCC, uh, made this comment, uh, three in five adults don't keep a budget. I mean, so we're, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, I mean, a large percentage of the population doesn't have a budget. Um, I think, first of all, doing a budget um, is an emotional thing. Uh, it makes you face the reality of what's coming in and what's going out. And um, it's a lot of work. It's it's accountability. Um, it's, it's taking the time to sit down and track your expenditures. And it's better off not to and live in denial and say, hey, I'll, I'll wait for another day to put together a budget. I mean, most of my clients, believe it or not, I demand the budget when they're ready to retire because I was like, how can I plan your retirement income without a budget? <laughs> um, so that's one time that I really mandate. I encourage people to do budgets because 
you know, you, you're going to be able to find that extra money. And that extra money is going to go towards your emergency fund, towards your retirement. Um, and it's a practical application. And living in the digital world, there's so many apps that can help you track your expenses. I think it's a critical uh, exercise to do to even get started in the process, especially with these this younger generation. Gotcha. You know, one of the things that uh, it's there's a lot of debt out there, unfortunately, that uh, as a society, we're, we're not exactly where we should be. You know, Standard & Poor's says the U.S. ranks 14th globally in financial liter- uh, literacy and rates only 57% of adults is having financial literacy. So tell us what financial literacy is. I mean, what, what do you think, what does that mean to you and how do we address this? I think it's awareness, because you're not going to be the expert to help you invest your money, of course, we understand that. But I think awareness brings knowledge and skills for you to get motivated. A lot of it's psychological um, to make good financial decisions. But again, I'm going to mention that educational system, frequency, duration, and repetition. That's how we learn. And if you think about math in our early years, we start with easy math concepts, right? And as the years go on, we learn algebra, then we learn calculus. You know, financial literacy is complex. And you can't just become a financial expert overnight. It's a process and there's two facets, things you can control in financial literacy and things you can't control, like setting up a budget and saving and building money for futures, things you can control. But the thing that I'm really putting out there to the public is things we can't control that affects our money and people don't realize it. And it's economic and political forces. I call that macro. We need to be introduced that concept and know how it affects us from running out, running out of money at retirement, how our returns are going to affect us. So again, it's something that's, in my opinion, simple but complex, something that has to be frequently teached so that we're reminded over a period of time. And then when we get to that age and we finish college and we get our first job, it's ingrained in us. And that is something, you know, the only thing I can advise right now is to take small action steps, five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, and start this process, but start it with a professional that can give you the tools like videos or podcasts. Um, And there's a lot of people out there. So you have to distinguish who is the person who's of knowledge and who's the person who doesn't have that level of experience. Um, And it's, there's hope out there. I've seen it with my clients. I give my clients access to radio, TV, videos, podcasts, because everyone learns differently. And whatever that facet of learning is your strength, whether it's seminars, I do seminars, you know, in June, I'll be out there for the first time offering one-on-one financial literacy seminars to the public. So it's not that you have to be the expert, but you must be aware, aware enough to ask questions so you don't get taken advantage of, you uh, don't make poor decisions and somebody is there as a financial coach to mentor, to run things by you and to keep you on track. That's, that's excellent. Cause I, you know, it's, it's so keep on track is the big part right there. It's like, um, and then, and then part of it is just, I mean, we have just our entire world. I mean, it, it's, it's like the, as a little kid, you may not have paid much attention to it on Saturday mornings, but your parents sure did every time that, uh, at least when I was a kid, cause, uh, 
you watch the stuff and then the next thing you know is you wanted the stuff and uh whatever, you know <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and but the funny thing is, is the adults the, you know we grew up and became adults and we do the same thing now whoa it's just more expensive yeah. you know <laughs> so, hey that looks good just say yeah i don't i know i don't need that uh you know, that uh, Lamborghini, or I don't need that uh, giant truck, or I, uh, you know, whatever it is, or that, uh, you know, 3,500 foot screen TV. I'm just, yeah. That's no, I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> nice. So, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, definitely I hear you talking about is that at some point, they've got to develop a better understanding of of savings and how that works and spending mindfully. Can you just kind of comment about what, what that entails? Well, you know, I think most Americans have some level of debt, at least that's what the research says, the average of $15,000 in credit card debt. So we have to accept the reality that we're going to have debt and get started paying ourselves first, not paying your, you know, not paying your debt off necessarily, because there are benefits of this benefits of saving, especially if your employer is giving you a 3% match on your 401k. So I think it's critical to get started. You know, the experts out there say 10% of your income, set that emergency fund up three months worth of expenses. So let's say your expenses are 2000 a month, try to put away that 6000 for the unexpected, which will come up with like you mentioned earlier in the show, whether it be your car maintenance, kids needing something and then really focus on long-term. And I have, since my kids have been 10, 11 years old, I've been brainwashing them, say five to 10% of your income. You don't need a credit card. Credit cards are for convenience to pay off at the end of the month. They're not to be used on our wants versus our needs. Now, if you have an emergency fund, that's different. But you should not be using credit card to just shop and say, hey, I want to buy another dress if you can't pay that off at the end of the month. And I hate to be gender biased because women love to shop, but so do men. (laughs) Okay, but I really think that people need to think about a credit card. I haven't I haven't had a credit card balance since the great recession in 08. I just one day said, I, if I can't afford it, I'm not buying it. If I can't pay it off at the end of the month, it's not going to be part of my, uh, my wants. So, you know, it's been almost 12, 15 years and my kids go, mom, you don't have a credit. So I have a credit card, but I paid off at the end of the month. That's what a credit card's used for. Not to just build up $20,000 because you went on a few trips, you bought some clothes. And I think if Americans understand that and say, listen, I work 40 to 60 hours a week. At the end of the week, what do I have to show? And that was really when I moved to California and I was in my 20s, I'm like, I'm not going to work this hard and have nothing tomorrow to show that I have money set aside. Because why work so hard if I can't I can't um, logically see my success? There's no success when there's no money. And I hate to take money with success, but I want to know that if I'm putting in a hard weeks of work, it was 50 bucks a month, 35 years ago for me, that was satisfying. Then you build on that and you feel good about it because you're writing down what you have in assets. And I know this little thing real quick, I hate to go on, but my sister just called me this morning before our show. He goes, she goes, you know, she's been 35 years with General Motors. And she goes, Cindy, do you know I have more money than I thought? I said, really, Pam? She goes, I have never written down everything I own. I go, come on. She goes, no, I haven't. 
And she goes, I actually have more money than I ever dreamed of. I'm like, okay, Pam, see what that, what did that exercise do for you? She goes, it empowered me and made me feel great. So a lot of it is a psychological, um, writing things down, um, seeing what you're doing and um, motivating yourself to feel empowered with your success and your ability to save money. That's, that's awesome. They, uh, you know, cause that's, we can do, you know, you can do it. You just have to know what you got coming in and going out and, and not do the things that undercut yourself, which, <laughs> you know, like you said, you take that credit card and you go, I got, I got money. <laughs> oh yeah. And I'm not going to tell you cause I'm an expert that I know all the answers and I did everything perfect. Making mistakes are critical because you learn from those mistakes. And right. as a young advisor, not having money when I, when I started making a lot more money, it was a lot more tempting to take the money and do something I shouldn't have. So having a mentor, having a planner, uh, somebody who you can run things by, um, it's all part of the process, including with people like me with 35 years of experience today. I was sitting there feeling, understanding what you're going through. And um, I realized I needed my own little committee to keep my emotions in check. Nice. Nice. The, uh, you know, it's, uh, one of the things I gotta, I gotta talk about is that, you know, we're talking about savings. We're talking about, uh, other traditional avenues. Well, one of, one of those avenues, a lot of people may have nothing, no experience with whatsoever, um, is investing. Uh, what advice would you give a listener for getting started in investing if they've never pursued that pathway? Well, uh, today, you know, the problem with investing on your own and, you know, the research is, is sort of disturbing. 75% of people, CNBC just did the study, I think a year or two ago, reject financial advice. So I think people are actually going out there themselves and trying to figure it out. And to get started with a small amount of money, I mean, you have Fidelities and Vanguards of the world that make it easy to call them and have a representative get you started. But I realized not only do you wanna use your bank to build your emergency fund, you really wanna hone in on your employer and what programs do they have that is long-term that you can't touch? I mean, there's always ability to touch some of your money in these 401ks, but something that's in your mind, okay, this money's gone and I can't touch it. And that's 59 and a half or 60. So finding, you know, that a vehicle that you can't really get at your money is half the battle too. Because if everything is liquid, oh God, I can just go withdraw that. It's a lot easier and tempting. So truly try to find something long-term that you can touch without really hurting yourself with penalties and taxes. And then put some of your short-term where your emergency fund needs to be. And then these big firms uh, make it easy for you to set up with small amounts of money. I mean, you're not going to, you know, probably want to hire an advisor if you can only save 50 bucks a month. Okay. So you can go to these robo advisors, these big fund companies and just get started and set up your 50 bucks a month. Like I did 35 years ago to be able to build a solid foundation for your financial future, a legacy for your loved ones and financial security when you actually get to that retirement age. That's awesome. Very nice. Very nice. The uh, great advice. We got it. You know, as an individual or family is expanding what they do with their finances, could you talk about something? I, I mentioned it in the intro. I mean, could you talk about the possibility of pursuing these alternative uh, investment routes like a real estate investment trust or a REITs? Uh, you know, can you explain what it is and uh, why it's something they might want to add to their financial plan? 
Thanks for asking that question because a third of my book is about investment choices, okay? You know, for a long time, for the last 10, 20, 30 years, Americans have relied on stocks and bonds. It's two, I call it a two asset class model, okay? What Americans haven't realized though is in the last 20 years, those two asset classes that you used to rely on, I call it the 60 stock, 40 bond model, um, used to work opposite of each other. What do I mean by that? So when stocks are up, bonds are down. When when bonds are up, stocks are down. So the modern portfolio theory said, hey, if you have a little bit of both, it's a nice hedge, it adds diversification to your portfolio and everything's fine. And in the 70s, 80s and 90s, you know, the 60, 40 did over 8% and people were happy with that. The problem that no one is talking about, including your financial planner, is that 60, 40 model that we once relied on called conventional wisdom is in my personal opinion, if you read my book, no longer a sustainable strategy for your retirement. And I know that's gonna be a huge wake up call because people are like, well, I like the stock market. Cindy, I like stocks and bonds, okay? But I don't like the percentages the 60, 40, because if you go back in history and look at the last 20 years, you're gonna be shocked because that eight to 10% return that you wanted has not even been close to that number. And the next 10 years, the 60, 40 model, Morgan Stanley said 2.8. That's not satisfactory when your planner's charging you one and inflation's at two. That means technically speaking over the next 10 year, that two asset class model may no longer give you the results that you want. So what, where do we go from there? We don't put our head in the sand. We start asking our financial planners, what about other asset classes to add to the mix? And that's asset class mixes in chapter eight called alternative investments. Alternative investments is something that doesn't or isn't correlated to your stock and bond. It's something outside the realm of a stock and bond. And there's many asset classes, but I'm going to tell you one thing right now. The endowments, the largest managers in the country, the smartest minds in the world have not used the 60-40 model, believe it or not, the last 30 years. They've used other asset classes. And let me tell you what the results have been. Amazing, beating the stock market with less risk and more income. And today, folks, we live in society where you can't go to your bank and get 6% anymore. You can't go in the bond market, that 40% of the equation, and go get six or 7%. There's no income, there's no yield. And I'll be writing book three, why there's no yield in America. Okay, but that's another subject, yeah. So we know that the interest rates are low, okay? So how do we fight those forces that I'm gonna retire tomorrow per se, I got a million bucks and I can't get income. That's a huge problem. And that problem can be solved with knowledge, and empowerment. One asset class I do talk about in the book now to go back to your question are called REITs, okay? Real estate investment trust. Now there are two flavors like ice cream. You can go into a traded REIT and a non-traded REIT. The differences are significant, okay? And some, you have to understand the there's risks and there's advantages and disadvantages with both. But I do believe this, that incorporating REITs in your portfolio could help add diversification, okay? Whether it's traded, correlated to stocks and bonds or non-traded. I tend to like non-traded for the suitable investor. It has a less standard deviation and higher income potentially. So I think the REITs are, I've been using them since 03 and my seniors have embraced the concept. They understand the risk, they're suitable and it's helped them sustain their retirement. 
That's one asset class. Okay. There are many more. And I really introduced two in the book because I don't really want to overwhelm the investor because some people don't even know what a stock and a bond is. And then I'm going to throw two more at you. And they're like, whoa, I want to give it to them so they can start asking questions and start the educational process because I believe alternative investments could be the key to sustaining your retirement in the future based on all my research. Good stuff. That's, and I appreciate you explaining that because you, you hear about REITs, actually it pops up every so often and it's like, well, what exactly is that? <laughs> you know, it's, it's so good. Appreciate you talking about that. Yeah, uh, let's talk about planning for retirement. I mean, what types of goals should an individual or a couple be thinking about? Well, problem, uh, this is problematic. Most couples don't talk about when they want to retire. So the first thing is have a conversation. Well, sit down with your spouse over dinner instead of playing on your cell phone, like all of us do. <laughs> sit down and say, honey, when do you want to retire? That's the first step. Number two, hire an advisor to find out how much you need to save to meet the retirement goals you guys set out, which is how much income you guys want when you retire. Number three, make sure that investment return is reasonable and feasible and your savings capacity meets that goal and there's someone monitoring that goal each year. So really what retirement planning is, it's sitting down and having a conversation with your spouse, having a conversation with a financial planner, explaining what your goals, your needs and wants are, and then putting together a roadmap and being accountable. See that big word accountable? Make, making sure that you do what you say you're going to do and making sure that someone is following up with you to make sure that's happening. And that is really what retirement plan begins and ends with having a conversation. That's, that's excellent. I know. And I got to mention this because, you know, one of the things that you hear that, that causes trouble, I mean, I think this is what one of the things that couples want to avoid is that actually having a discussion about money and planning and stuff like this, that, you know, because you end up with you know, as, as severe as, you know, the ultimate separation and divorce of the, of the couple. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a difficult sort of, uh, you know, if you, especially if you believe that the conversation is going to cause the... <laughs> the end of the relationship. <laughs> well, okay. Another thing is too, that I find they didn't want to talk about it. Cause they're like, okay, we're going to be stuck with each other 24 seven. Okay. Let's not <laughs> even bring it up. <laughs> nice. Nice. No, I'm just bringing that into the equation. No, hey, I think there's some truth. That, is that, <laughs> might be. It's like, Oh my gosh, am I going to be stuck with you? Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a song there. Um, <laughs> I hear Mike's retirees. I hear what they have to say. <laughs> it's funny. It's uh just as a side note, my wife has made this comment to me. She goes, what are you going to do if you retire? And I said, well, I'll do something. I said, because I'm, I'm not somebody, I like to fish, but I couldn't fish seven days a week, 24 hours. No, no, I'd, I like to do different things. But, you know, I know what she's worried about. She's worried she's going to be, I'm going to be hanging around going, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? You know, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> nope, I'll have to get another job once I get a, a retirement. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, you know, let's talk about something that I've heard you talk about. Could you share some advice for women getting engaged in their own financial awareness, comprehension, and understanding? 
Oh, yeah. So Feminine Courage Book Two is coming out next March. Okay, and I advise every woman in this country to read it. Okay, and this is why the the statistics and the research is alarming right now. In the next decade, women are going to control two thirds of the wealth in this country. Okay, and make 95 percent of the financial decisions in their household. Unfortunately, women score 18 percent on a financial literacy test. And we don't want to throw in the three D's, divorce, disability, and death, because they're going to live longer than their spouses. 30% of marriages end up in divorce, and your spouse could get disabled. So I really, I want to be an advocate for women in financial literacy, not just micro, micro and macro, but most importantly, dealing with the marginalization women have been dealing with for 2000 years because I think once they're aware and they understand um, they can be more engaged in wanting to learn because women think they're not smart and there are more women graduating with masters and PhDs than ever before. So I don't think it has to do with that. I think it has to do with the psychological forces that in stereotypes that women have had on them for generations. So, um, See, women aren't scared of volatility, the research says. Women are scared of not knowing. And not knowing will unfortunately hurt women in the long run. And, you know, I'm linking financial literacy to equality in wages, right? Because it's all right. about the money. And I'm not certainly writing book to, to you know, take a look at more of the feminist point of view. I want it to be mutual. I call the word mutualism through the book because I want men and women to come together, work together as a team. I mean, men are more financially literate than women, but not by much, okay? (laughs) So they do need to come together and women need to take baby steps and action steps, but they also have to get over their psychological issues that they have about themselves and about money and about making decisions in the household. And that, that book I'm delivering for women history month next March to help women deal with the psychological issues that they have to contend with because women want equal wages. Well, they're going to need to get financially literate. And I want to be an advocate for women in financial literacy going forward. Very cool. What, what, can you say the name of the, the book again? What? Yes, it's called uh, Feminine Courage, Unlock Your Financial Destiny. That book is at the publisher, and we hope for a pub date March 1st for Women History Month next year. Very cool. Very cool. So good luck with that. We'll look forward to that coming out. We, you know, um, I got to ask you, we're getting close to the end, and I want to make sure I ask you a couple questions that uh, um that uh, just go a little different direction here. So let's start with this one. Um, If you had a chance to talk to an audience of brand new teachers who were getting ready for the first day of their new career with helping kids achieve their dreams, what is something that you would like to tell them to remember about preparing for their own financial future? Well, first, I I think if they're going to counsel children on money managers, right? And again, this is something I've done with my children. I'm going to teach you what mistakes I made. I'm going to share with you my mistakes. I want you guys to think about saving, not using credit card, because even as a teacher who's going to teach children on the subject of money needs to empower their own 
financial situation because I always felt, God, if I'm going to give financial advice and I don't have accumulation and I'm not saving, how am I going to be an example and be able to talk with passion, vindication? You know, I have to be a part of that. I have to be doing it myself to be able to share that passion with others. So I say, hey, bring it up to kids. Start talking about money early, early, early as you can. And if you're going to talk about that and change a child's life because you brought awareness to them, do that for yourself because you'll be able to teach it even better. Very nice. Very nice. The uh, Cindy, could you share how your company Synergy um, Financial could help a uh, client get started on the right path to a better future with their finances? Oh, yeah. Since I believe in financial literacy, if you go to my website, no one can say my last name, Kumjin. So Cindy at Synergy. I spelled Synergy to be like Cindy, C-I-N-E-R-G-Y. And I have a lot of energies. You can tell SynergyFinancial.com. In the left hand corner, when you go to my website, I'm actually putting it up this week. Subscribe because I give videos one minute, eight minute TV, podcast, but as well as on my YouTube channel, on my website, there is links to my book. There's 10 eight-minute videos. There is a prefla of information to empower anyone going to my website um, to get started because I believe to try to educate is a way to liberate. And starting with, I don't want to... You know, I'm not one of those planners. Come in, tell me what you have, what your goals. Okay, I'll put you in some. No, we want the client. It's a longer period of time because it's not about me. It's about you. It's about your money. And it's about helping you. And helping you is be helping you become financially literate. So then you can ask educated decisions. It's not me investing your money and saying, thank you. See you later. Let's go to the next client. It's a process. And not only do you have accountability to me, we want accountability to you. And that accountability comes from learning. And my website is a great tool to get started. In fact, if you put your email in, you scroll down, we send you five videos, not to overwhelm you. We send you five eight minute videos five days in a row to get you started we don't we send it right to your email good morning here's your daily video and then at the end of the five days we hope that we've engaged you enough to pick up the phone not be embarrassed not feel bad about your situation but to get started very cool and uh, just to uh, as we're finishing you know where do they find your, where's your, where's your website? And uh, is there any other information you want to share that would help so them connect? Can, you can go to Amazon and, and go to get the book on redefining financial literacy, Cindy Kumjian. You can go to my website, Center to Financial. You can even call our 800 number 1-888-217-8777. So we do offer free consultations. We'll take your call. We'll sit there and spend 30 minutes, answer any questions you have try to guide you where you should be, where you should go, and potentially um, an opportunity to work with, with us at Synergy Financial, your Synergy family. Excellent, excellent. So the last two questions I have are questions I just like to ask my guests. And the first one goes like this. How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Well, I think um, perseverance, you know, people who persevere and keep going quitting is not even in my vocabulary and yes i've had 
very many challenges, especially with, you know, as a female in an industry that one out of five are, are women. You just keep going forward, keep going forward. And I promise you, you will see the light at the end of the tunnel. Excellent. Love it. Love it. So last question, do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Yes, Jan Sanders. In fact, in the intro of my book, she was um, my teacher in high school. She was my mentor. She um, helped me. You know, I knew nothing about volleyball. I was playing collegiate volleyball because of her guidance. She never gave up on me. Um, my competitive spirit, she ingrained in me, uh, not only on the court, I took with me in my entire career. And to think of the impossible or improbable she made possible for me in my career. That's very cool. Thank you. The, uh, the, Cindy, thanks so much for talking with me today. You know, we're talking about financial planning, getting on the right path, understanding financial possibilities in your company, Synergy Financial, and, and sharing your book, Redefining Financial Literacy, Unlocking the Hidden Forces of Your Financial Future. I'm wishing you the best in all you do, and thanks so much for sharing with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Steve. Boone Titanium Rings, found on the web at boonrings.com, is an affiliate partner of Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12. And I'm also a customer. I have this really cool ring that's got these carved pistons and, and stars in it. I love it. They make rings of titanium that are carved, laser cut, and engraved, as well as they have inlays of many types of materials like meteorite, acrylic, wood, carbon fiber, and so many other types. They also have special collections that are incredible designs. One of the top sellers are the Gamer Rings, the Stealth Series, and the Black Zirconium. As a note, they also make make earrings, pendants, cufflinks, and for you musicians, they make cool trumpet mouthpieces. Love it. Go to boonrings.com and at checkout, use my code, capital T, capital L, capital L, capital K, number 12, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. So go check them out. I love my ring, and I know that you will love yours. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.